into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there. And if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Tuesday, September 12, 2023. Welcome to episode number 409 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Carrie, Evan, Stephanie, Emmanuel, Divine Dream Divine, Jamie Fleck up in the great state of New England, Funky Monk, Bismarck, Pam, the mods like Jesse Johnson, BSEC, Jenny Housley, Kimberly. Alana and the GRC guy, I'm Quiet Gamer, Tom Bishop across the pond, folks over on LinkedIn, folks on YouTube, Simply Cyber Community Squad members, cybersecurity industry members, first timers and long timers. That's a lot, but I am inclusive. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis with my huge cup of coffee on each of these stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize it this week at work or strategically in the long term? And don't sweat it if you are breaking into the industry or you, you know, you're just finding your way over here. Maybe you're a little cyber curious. You're going to get massive value from this podcast. I guarantee you we're here every day like clockwork. You can set your watch to it. You will get exposed to Current threats, current terminology, current threat actors, concepts. Occasionally I dig into like a lesson about like, what's denial of service? Why is patching wicked hard? Why is vulnerability management like a grind? Mental health. We cover it all. And really, frankly, you need to get exposed to it all because you will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current in the industry? The reason is because it's vitally important to be con continue delivering cyber risk reduction for your organization if you're staying current. This podcast Wicked sick answer, I guarantee you. Um, just stay tuned. Plus the networking. Are you kidding me over here? Ima Aquara, Emmanuel, Thomas Forbes, Jenny Housley. Great people, Cat GPT. So many people in chat. Marcus Kyler. Guys, the, the, the networking is unprecedentedly excellent up in the streams. So if you're on LinkedIn, connect with the LinkedIn folks, but please uh, giddy on up over to the Simply Cyber YouTube channel where the chat is hot. All right, guys, just remember each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. CPEs are continuing professional education credits, and if you hold a cybersecurity certification, you need to maintain CPEs. It's as simple as that. The Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE per day, two and a half a week, 10 a month. Say what's up in chat, grab a screenshot, put it in a folder. Don't think about it again unless you ever get audited. No sweat. If you don't know what to type in chat, 
go for hashtag team live you're here live with us right now i'm literally in my studio screaming at a microphone live at 8 a.m on september 12th uh, if you're watching on replay good morning into the uh from the past <laughs> um Hashtag Team Replay in the comments. Uh, Want to make sure you timestamp that you were here on that day consuming this information. Drop your thoughts and comments, Team Replay, on the stories. Do love engaging with y'all in the replay. Also, I haven't said it in a while, but if you are a regular attendee, and listen, there's 350 people on the reg here. If you're a regular attendee and you haven't really jimed into chat, that's okay. You don't have to. No one's pushing you. But drop a hashtag, Passive Observer. Let us let us see you. Let's let's say hi. You are part of the community, and we love uh, recognizing and high-fiving people in the community. What's up, King Victory? Good to see you. Hey, uh, really quickly, my also favorite, just a bites in the house with a super chat, completed the Google Cybersecurity Professional Cert last night. Boom, baby. One night closer to achieving my dream career. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Nice. I <laughs> I love it. Way to go, Just a Bite. Congratulations. Keep crushing those goals. Hey, uh, listen really quickly. If it's your first time here, this is something we do. If it's your first live stream, your first Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief, drop hashtag first timer in chat. We do well, love welcoming our first timers. We got a lot of people who are long time, long time members of the Simply Cyber community, but there's always room for more. Get in here, hashtag first timer. And special shout out, if this is your first stream because you're coming from Cyber Now and Michael Liebert told you about it, well, welcome to the party and thanks to Michael for sharing that. I got a deluge of new connections yesterday uh, from those folks. Senji's Han Beslin, what's up? It's good to see you, first timer, Senji's. Nice to have you. Hey, Shalini, good to see you, first timer. All right, everybody, I'm going to keep rolling, but as the first timers drop in, please welcome them with open arms. Guys, before we get started, let me say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors who allow me to get up here every morning at 8 a.m. loaded with coffee and just flip out on this microphone at you. Starting with my good friend Barricade Cyber Solutions, Eric Taylor and his group, they're dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues, believe me, for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. Google MGM Grand right now if you want to see what happens when business owners get tummy troubles from cyber attacks. But Barricade Cyber Solutions, they know how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Give them a call. Give them a ring. Give them a click. Check them out at BarricadeCyber.com. Links into the description below. They can help sort out your nightmare. Also, I want to say shout out and thanks to Pernopsi Cyber, who I am an advisory board member on, which I'm totally pumped about. Get a partner who understands your cybersecurity program and your business goals. Listen, if you don't have a plan on what you're doing for cybersecurity, you're just like reacting all over the place. Little Dutch boy sticking your finger in the dike as water's, you know, peeing through it. And you're like, ah, like you're basically just putting out whatever the close, uh, whatever the hottest fire is. Or for my military people, you're just like beating back the closest alligator to the boat. That's no way to live, guy. That's like you're sleeping crappy at night and waking up in the middle of the night because you're stressed out. Give Panopsi Cyber a call. Have a conversation with them. What they can do is take you from a reactive program to a proactive program. They can look at your people, process, technology, current cyber maturity level, resources, budget, skill level, threat landscape, industry, ugh, and then put it in a magic blender, hit, you know, chop, 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 blend, and then out comes an enterprise risk assessment report with a three-year roadmap 
where you are today, where you want to go, the, the right order to do it in, why it's a right order, quantified, mind you, so that you can point to uh, leadership and give them options. Do you want to be 75% at risk of ransomware or 25% at risk of ransomware? And by the way, everybody's going to say 25%, but you have to lay out like, here's what it costs to get to 25%. You feel me, bro? Great cash, homie. All right. Also want to say love to anti-siphon training. Listen, uh, I'm going to do this role really quick. Anti-siphon training is here to disrupt traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of their financial position, which means students have the opportunity to learn from some of the best in the industry without the gates of financial um, access, right? Uh, this is links in the description below. Go to anti-siphon training, click on training, click on the pay what you can training option. And you'll see right here all this um, all this great training. And they've got one coming up next week with John Strand himself. Definitely giddy up on that John Strand one. Anti-siphon training. Love what they do. All right, guys. Um, it is Tidbits Tuesday. So at the mid-roll, I will be sharing a little personal thing about me. Hopefully you guys resonate with that. Let me know. I might run a, um, a poll uh, at the end of the show. It is Tuesday, so I do teach at the Citadel. So I got to boogie out of here and boogie right on to class. So I won't have time for jaw jacking today. But feel me. Um, I do want to know if people like two reads at the beginning and then one at the mid-roll or all three reads at the beginning. I'm tinkering with it. I really need feedback from the community. Which do you prefer? All right, guys. Let's sit back and relax. As a reminder, I do not review, research, or prep for any of these stories before we go live. I'm seeing them for the first time with you, so let's get into it. Do me a solid. Sit back, relax, and let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over you in an awesome wave. I'll see you guys at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, <laughs> it's cybersecurity headlines. Coffee cup cheers. It's Tuesday, September 12th, 2023. UK government sees record critical IT infrastructure attacks. The record's Alexander Martin reports that, according to data obtained in a Freedom of Information Act request, in the first half of 2023, critical IT infrastructure service companies reported 13 cyber attacks that significantly disrupted operations. This shows an increase from four such attacks in each of the past two years. IT companies must report disruptive cyber incidents to relevant authorities under the Network and Information Systems Regulations. Experts consulted by the record suggest this increased reporting comes from a better understanding of regulatory requirements rather than increase in attack volume. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what I was going to say. Dude, uh, statistics can be, you know, not manipulated, but you can always bend statistics in order to paint a narrative, okay? So the UK has been going gangbusters up, you know, basically the UK and the United States have been kind of... um moving in parallel around infosec for critical infrastructure okay uk is way further along with privacy but let's just push that to the side <clears throat> with CISA, you know there's more public private partnership there's more uh reporting more reporting requirements are starting to come out through legislation and regulation and the uk is doing the same thing so they're saying record number of cyber attacks again this is one of those ones where you need to put a critical thinking cap on and say holy crap like every 
vendor, okay? Like, this is so true. Every vendor is going to use this report and be like, ah, 2023, it's the year of critical, IT, uh, critical infrastructure IT hacks. You get your, you know, super solution that, you know, secures all your OT, makes you, makes you sleep well at night. Here's your spoon of honey. But in reality, these systems were getting cracked the whole time. It's just no one knew about it. And now with reporting requirements, you're required to report. So now we have visibility. And by the way, I'm not poo-pooing on this. What I am saying is with any problem, okay, I don't care if it's a personal problem you have or it's a large macro, you know, national problem. The first step is like seeing it, right? Understanding, yeah, there's a problem here. Okay, now that we have data, we can do something about it. We can make informed decisions. We can do research analysis. But if we don't know, we don't know. This is like, by the way, if just to take it back to yesteryear, and anyone with gray in their hair is going to know what I'm talking about. Like, it used to be uh, businesses like in the mid-2000, uh, like early 2010s or knots, I think they're called or teens, whatever, like 2010, 2012, businesses would say like, well, actually, maybe it was closer to like 2005, six, seven, eight. Businesses would say, listen, we have no problems. We have no problems. We're not seeing any issues. We're not getting popped. We're not, we're not an issue. It's fine. We're straight. We're straight crushing it, buddy. And it's like, it's because you don't have any like logging going on. You don't have any EDR technology. You don't have any security technology. You aren't good, buddy. You literally just don't know it, right? Like, that's what's up. And then, like, obviously, the marketing industry of cyber got a hold of it. And they're like, it's not It's not that you, you know, you don't know. It's that you, or it's not that you haven't been hit. It's that you don't know you've been hit. And then we got into dwell time and how long to discover. And then the industry, like, or IT and business kind of wisened up to, like, oh, crap. Like, we can't pretend that we're not crocked right now. Okay. So anyways, this is great. We're seeing the effect of this UK reporting requirements. If you're working in the UK, it is uh, beneficial to be mindful of this regulation clearly, uh, even if you're not working in critical IT infrastructure, but also be aware of how it's um, moving as a initiative and having success and traction and all those things. It would be uh, good to uh, break this out. As I mentioned before, having visibility is valuable because now you can do something about it. Hopefully, this report does spark some, um, some um, like, you know, transformation or whatever, like whatever you want to call it. Like, dude, here's the thing: just because you have the data, like all this means now is you have to do something about it, right? Like, you can't be like, oh, record number of attacks. Like, let's just chill. Like, you have to say, okay, what's the next step? How do we reduce the number of attacks? How bad were the attacks from an impact perspective? Like, get my GRC hat on. Can we reduce likelihood or can we reduce impact? Or heaven forbid, we could reduce both. Either way, let's reduce the risk uh, to the country, to the organizations, to whatever. Okay? So that's what's up with that. Alana, GRC. Yeah. Charming Kitten releases sponsor backdoor. Security researchers at ESSET identified a campaign by the Iranian-linked threat group dating back to March 2021. This utilized the sponsor backdoor malware, which resides in a configuration file and deployed by batch scripts. Charming Kitten targeted government agencies, healthcare, financial services, and manufacturing organizations, with <coughs> Brazil, Israel, and the UAE the most commonly targeted countries. These attacks used an exchange vulnerability for initial access, then installed the sponsor backdoor. 
Asset said it found signs of a second version of Sponsor, but noted that all IP addresses used in the campaign are now offline. All right. Ransomware. So a couple of things. One, uh, Charming Kitten. Um, Charming Kitten is a FireEye uh, naming convention. So if you're if you're new here, it took me a while. Like, literally, I love saying this every time it comes up because it took me literally years and it shouldn't have taken me years, but it took me years to figure this out. So every time I have an opportunity, I want to tell people the way that advanced persistent threat naming conventions work are it's based on vendor designation, right? So, you know, like kitten, bear, uh, uh, different variations of snakes, different variations of pandas. Um, that is fire eyes naming convention if it has something to do with like storms like storm typhoon uh tsunami um i don't even know if they have hurricane but that's microsoft okay so anyways lo long story short the different vendors have different naming conventions and i used to get angry about it and say why can't we consolidate but there are reasons why so just just know that you know charming kitten can also be called you know flaming donkey and you know you know, uh, booty booty or what, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know who's making these up, but they can have multiple names. So just be mindful of that when you're looking at miter attack and stuff like that. Okay. All this is saying right here is that Iranian advanced persistent threat actors backdoored 34 organizations. I don't know which 34, but they exploited an exchange on-prem vulnerability, which there's been like a million of those lately. Exchange on-prem is the new, um, Jeez, what was what was the technology that was just getting popped in the face? Okay, uh, Exchange on Prem is the new Adobe Flash, right? Like, and if again, if you are familiar, if you've been in the industry a while, Flash was getting like just, you know, bohicked to no end uh, back in the late '90s, early 2000s. Um, it just anyway. So Exchange on Prem is terrible that, and a lot of businesses are still using it. They basically exploit through that, which is initial uh, compromise, and then they're dropping sponsor malware, which sounds like it's a backdoor. Again, don't get too wrapped around the axle with naming, right? Like, ooh, sponsor backdoor, or raccoon info stealer, or redline info stealer. Just, in my opinion, you should focus on the category of malware. This is a persistence mechanism. That's all it is. It's a backdoor persistence mechanism to allow the Iranian hackers back into the organization at their leisure instead of having to exploit the exchange vulnerability again, right? So if victim A um if a victim A um patches the exchange vulnerability or they just get rid of exchange and they go up into the cloud altogether, the Iranian hackers can still get back in because they've deployed this Persistence mechanism, okay? Now, if you want to get into threat intel, um, threat intel, threat hunting, SOC analyst, then you should double click on this and go a little bit deeper and look at the IOCs of what sponsor malware is and how you can find it in your environment. But if you're a GRC person or you know a red team or something like that, you don't need to go that extra step, right? So again, I'm just trying to um, put this in perspective. Uh, looks like they're using a lot of open source tools, fits the budget. Um. And of course, so here are the IOCs you could see. Um, oh no, these aren't IOCs. This is what the malware is actually collecting. Okay. So a lot of great technical detail here. I'll leave it to you if you are a, a blue team defender to check, check this out. Um, just because it's using C2, 
which is wicked common, uh, command and control um, to to like send information about the victim machine back to the hacker's managed console and to take commands. It's uh, it's sending it over port 80, which is hilarious because that's unencrypted web traffic. So it could hide in the noise, but the thing is it's unencrypted. So you can look at it. You don't even have to worry about it being encrypted. So uh, they mentioned in the um, story that the IPs for the C2 have been taken down, which basically means, all that means, by the way, if they say the IPs for the C2 have been taken down, it just means the management interface that the threat actors are using to connect to the compromised hosts, it doesn't exist anymore. So I could be running a machine that has sponsor malware on it, and like it's not talking to the bad guys, because when it reaches out, that IP is no longer available. There's no infrastructure there. That doesn't mean, by the way, that you just like go YOLO and like keep rolling with sponsor malware on your box. You definitely get it clean. But my point is the risk is kind of um, mitigated a little bit. All right. Aircost Sri Lankan government months of data. Sri Lanka's Information and Communications Technology Agency, or ICTA, confirmed its Lanka Government Cloud, or LCA system, suffered a massive ransomware attack. The attack began on August 26th after government domain users reported receiving suspicious links. <coughs> the ICTA estimates the attack impacted all gov.lk email addresses. While IT workers restored systems within 12 hours of the attack, a lack of available backups resulted in data from May 17th through August 26, 2023, permanently lost. ICTA CEO Mahesh Pereira said the attackers used vulnerabilities in Microsoft Exchange version 2013 utilized by LCA. Hold on, what? Wait a minute. I got to listen to the last 15 seconds of that. From May 17th through August 26, 2023, permanently lost. ICTA CEO Mahesh Pereira said the attackers used vulnerabilities in Microsoft Exchange version 2013 utilized by LCA. Jesus, dude. Okay, hold on. Can we get, I'm going to do an Oprah emote. O Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. Like, you get an exchange compromise. You get an exchange compromise. You get an exchange compromise. Like, what are we doing here, bro? Like, uh, here's the thing. Like, oh my God. Um, Here's the thing. Like, and this is a reality, all right? Remember when I told you about Panopsi earlier and I'm like, they can look at your people process tech and all that other stuff and help you sort it out? Here's the thing. You cannot turn a cruise ship around like, like, a, like a jet ski, okay? You can't just be in the harbor whipping donuts in a cruise ship. It takes time to turn a cruise ship around, all right? So when you're a federal government like Sri Lanka, I know they're not huge, or you're... Um, your um what you know like whatever these organizations are that the Iranian uh hackers cracked right when you're one of these big ones you you know why CIOs have a job because they're able or they should be able to forecast like oh hey here's my tech stack you know these things are going end of life in 3 years i should probably start thinking about what's next i should probably go to a conference i should probably talk to vendors i should talk to gartner I should begin to plan. It's called life cycle, okay? And a lot of hacks out there, what they do is, again, they just live in the now and they're like, oh, well, the system's up and email's flying and packets are flowing, so let's keep rolling. Look at me, I'm gonna go golf with my buddy right now. Doink, doink, 18 holes on a Friday, no big deal. But the problem is, at some point, 
at some point, the waiter comes to the table with the check and says, bro, you, you don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. Pay the bill. And that technical debt bill, when it comes due, it is like a pillowcase full of pool balls right across the noggin, man. Like, you cannot be running exchange on-prem, wicked vulnerable, and not expect these things to happen. At this point, the level of, like, point and click for exchange popping is, is next level. And, the, and it's just being abused by these threat actors. Like... You cannot, you, and, and by the way, like, let's say the Sri Lankan people, like, the, they're like, oh, this is terrible. Like, we're completely screwed. Let's fix the problem. Like, you, you can rip and replace, but it is such a Bush League move to, you know, system development life cycle. You're not supposed to rip and replace. You're supposed to have a plan and communicate it and then execute on it and then, you know, decommission the old one like that's how it's supposed to work but if you don't put in the work and i'm talking to cios here right like again you got to remember guys like as an infosec pro i can't make you upgrade from exchange on-prem to exchange in the cloud I, that's it's thing that's applications things i can't do that i can scream until i'm blue in the face and outline all the risks and everything but at the end of the day it's the cio's call Right. And this is why CIO and CISO reporting to CIO is sometimes not a good thing. And sometimes why CISOs report to risk because risk can influence down on CIO. Anyways, I'm getting way outside of scope of what's going on. But but my point is. Like like this sucks for them. OK, Sri Lanka, I'm sorry, it sucks, but it, it's going to be somebody else tomorrow and a different threat actor attacking it. And the same thing is going to be the problem. Somebody somewhere a year ago, 12 months ago, somebody didn't make the decision to take it seriously for technical debt. Okay. And it sucks to throw someone under the bus, but you know what? It could have been a comedy of errors. It could have been a bunch of different things that were unrelated that just led this to this. But more often than not, it's typically poor execution of system life cycle. And by the way, as I said a million times already, this is one of the key challenges with getting budget and getting buy-in from the business because you say, listen, we have got to get off exchange on-prem. It is imperative. We are going to get screwed in six to 12 months. And guess what? There's no heartburn. There's no pain when they sit down. There's nothing tomorrow, the next day. And you look like Chicken Little screaming out. And they say, well, wait a minute, Jerry. Is everybody still getting their emails? Yes, everybody's getting their emails. Wait a minute, Jerry. Can the salespeople still do their job in the field? Yeah, well, of course they can. Well, then it's not really a problem right now. We'll deal with it in Q2. And then Q2 comes and they're like, oh, we got budget for like a new module, a new app. We wouldn't, whatever, pandemic or like whatever. We'll push it to Q3. And then when this happens, the last thing you can say is, told you so. No one wants to hear that. And by the way, enjoy, by the way, the CISO who has to clean up this hot dumpster fire because the CIO did a poor job 12 months ago. All right. All right. Uh, quick shout out. Time flies when you're having fun. It's my Simply Cyber birthday. Yeah, Alana, what's up? I, I love Alana. Uh, blue badge looks good on you, Alana. Happy. She, she's my GRC uh, sister right there. I love, love some GRC. 
Uh, Alana gifting out 10 subs. Thanks, Alana. Very nice. Very. Did we just become best friends? Yep. If you're one of the uh, uh, lucky folks who picked up a gifted sub from Alana, uh, thank you so much. Be sure to enjoy the uh, squad emo tray. We'll go ahead and drop the Oprahs in here. All right. Final thing I'll say on this one. My initial thought is this is an Indian threat actor uh, targeting Sri Lanka. We'll see if that ever comes true. CISO warns to patch iPhones. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency added a zero-click iMessage vulnerability to its known exploited vulnerabilities catalog. This flaw came from a recent disclosure by Citizen Lab, which found the flaw used to compromise up-to-date iPhones used at civil society organizations. It dubbed the exploit chain BlastPass and uses malicious images in passkit attachments to infect devices, eventually allowing for remote code execution. Apple released patches for the exploits. CISA urged federal employees with a high likelihood of being targeted to turn on lockdown mode on iOS as a further precaution. All right, really quickly, I see In the Wind saying, all this is a bit over my head, but kind of get what's going on. Two things. One, In the Wind, I make it a, a point of pride and something I strive for to make information security accessible to as many people as possible. So if I am saying some things that are going over your head, don't worry about it. I do try to... Um, be inclusive and not try to use jargon and stuff like that. Second of all, uh, even if some things are over your head, believe me, just hearing what I'm saying, just getting exposed, just you know, seeing the shapes of what we're talking about is going to serve you uh, really well. And I don't normally lose my mind as much. What I was just talking about is a much more macro level business and information security interfacing across a three-year system thing. So that was a really specific thing. Ooh, getting the super chat. How's it going, Michael Miller? I see you. Thanks so much, Mike, uh, for the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so Sissa, uh, hold on. Uh, uh, Jen Easterly. By the way, I got a message from a Simply Cyber community member yesterday who just started working at Sissa. And I don't want to name names or anything, but Jen Easterly was the individual who swore him in. So just want to give a, a, a shout out, first of all. To that particular individual for getting a great job and straight crushing it, he actually he actually attributed um, the work that we've done through Simply Cyber as a um, you know a key element of his success into getting the job. So congratulations to him, and I know he's going to crush it. Second of all, can I just hat tip really quick to Jen Easterly because you're the director of Sessa uh, doesn't meet like she she could like you know rely on other people to do the swearing in, but she takes it upon herself to get with the the workforce and be part of it i like i i do this myself i feel like like i am much more like you know pulling with everybody not standing on something yelling at people to pull you know what i mean leader who serves jen easterly way to go all right so check it out we covered this in yesterday's story if you're running an iphone um just you know you're not immune just like if you run a mac you're not immune um pegasus uh which is a really sophisticated piece of spyware from uh nso group can get zero click on iphones watch yesterday's show if you want a deeper understanding of that uh chris weaver uh has time marks in the comments so you can go right to the story i explained zero clicks and why it's so bad and all the risks and everything like that um if you are a high-ranking person so if you're let's say you're uh an officer in the military say you're a colonel Say you're a general, say you're a federal politician, say you're a VIP of a Fortune 500 company. 
you, if somebody, if a threat actor can find out your phone number, they, you cannot stop them from compromising your phone. You cannot stop it. You can't do it. Okay. Now they do argue in here that update your phone. And then there is an advanced secure mode on iPhones that I forgot about. I forget what it's called, um, but it's called, oh, lockdown mode. So I know it's tough for executives to have less access to their things. They typically want to be like, you know, you know, whatever, Johnny and Jill on the spot with all the cool gear and stuff like that. And, you know, getting out of cars where the doors open, you know, like the hinges behind you, not in front of you, whatever. Here's the thing. If you want to avoid being popped, you may want to consider uh, moving the phone into lockdown mode or having multiple phones, I guess. I don't know. Citizen Lab, the one thing I will say is Citizen Lab does do great work. I know you can't see it on the stream right now because it's cut off, but Citizen Lab does do great security research. Uh, so I would recommend you check them out. This article is called Blast Pass. In fact, I, I think um, maybe, actually, you know what? We didn't do it on stream. It wasn't a story. Some uh, A community member dropped it in chat and we did like a renegade uh, news story cover during jawjacking. So I'm glad they're covering this. This is a legit issue. It's two zero click, zero days. Zero click means you can't stop it. If some anybody, anybody, anybody can text you or call you, anybody. I don't care who they are anywhere in the world. If they have your phone number, they can text you or call you, okay? If they can text you, they can exploit this and they can own your phone. You cannot stop it. It sounds like if you use this lockdown mode, you can at least uh, prevent it from happening. But by default, the mode you're in. So anyways, TLDR, if you work with somebody who's a high-ranking official that uses an iPhone, for the, which I would recommend people use iPhones, for their uh, official business, you may want to be uh, mindful of that. The only thing I would say is I don't know. Like if you get the text message and it owns your phone, I almost wonder if there's any indicators of compromise. Because if I owned your phone, the first thing I would do is delete the text message. Because I don't want you to know I own your phone. You know what I'm saying? So keep going. Obviously, CISA has their known exploited vulnerabilities um, page. This is an excellent resource from uh, CISA. Definitely check that out. TLDR, iPhones aren't immune to uh, exploit. And right now there's two zero clicks out there. And by the way, like, again, I'm, I'm nobody. Okay. I'm nobody. So I'm very, very unlikely that my iPhone's going to get that text message, but you know, whatever, like uh, general, general whiz bang, who's like, you know, reporting to Congress or something like that, or, you know, congressmen such and such, they, they would definitely be in scope. And now a word from our sponsor conveyor. <laughs> the team at Lucid Software reduced the time spent answering customer security questionnaires by a whopping 91% with Conveyor's security questionnaire automation software, powered by OpenAI. Compared to the tools on the market, Conveyor's AI auto-generates the most accurate answers to entire questionnaires, so you can spend almost zero time on them. That's it. That's the ad. We'll get back to the headlines in just a second, but if you want to take away the pain of questionnaires, try a free proof of concept at conveyor.com. All right, it's the mid-roll. Let's do this. All right, I want to thank everybody for being here. Let me look at the uh, polls. Like, looks like most people want to do two and one, so we'll keep doing that as we have been. Thank you for voting on that. I want to thank everybody for being here today. 
thank you to the stream sponsors, Barricade, Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, uh, the Simply Cyber community, uh, really, really appreciate you being here. We are at 324 beautiful people today. Uh, great to see you. Good morning, everybody on a Tuesday. Do me a favor, you 324 uh, wonderful folks. Can you hit the like button? Hitting the like button isn't to boost my ego or have me flex on somebody. It literally triggers the YouTube algorithm to go find more people. One of our core values at Simply Cyber is inclusion, right? So in order to be inclusive, if people don't know what we're doing over here, they can't decide whether or not they want to be part of it. So hit the like button, trigger YouTube to reach out to people searching for cybersecurity content and have them come over here and check it out. For you first timers, this is what we do here. Hope you're having a good stream, a good show. I want to say holla, holla, holla to Curtis Durton. Curtis with the baton right now. He's over on LinkedIn. What's up, Michael Vito in the Philippines? Good to see you. Hey, in the wind. I love it. All right, so guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, especially if you're a first-timer here, all right? If you're a first-timer here, listen up, because this is going to blow your mind, all right? The Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an initiative we started, you know, 100-plus days ago. Every single day, one member of the Simply Cyber community has the baton. Curtis Durden is going to tag somebody. Curtis had the baton yesterday. Whoever has the baton, like Curtis did yesterday, will go on LinkedIn and share their specific cyber story. They will use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Now, here's the thing. Here's my post. Here's who I am. Here's what I about to. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Now, all of you, go on to LinkedIn and search for this hashtag. Why? You'll find it. You can read and connect with the person who posted it. There's plus one on your network of cool people. Then comment on the feed. Okay, so now you're on the comments. Why? Well, connect with the people who are making comments. Let's say there's 25 people on comments. You've just increased your LinkedIn network by 26 people, but not 26 random people, 26 people who are part of this inclusive, supportive, righteous cyber community. And by the way, since you're on the comments now, the next person's gonna have 27 people on their feed, including you. It's going to snowball every single day. And I'm telling you, people, don't take it from me. Let people in chat tell you. This will literally supercharge your LinkedIn feed. Your network will be more useful, more powerful, more valuable, and your feed on LinkedIn will actually have content that you care about. Take advantage of this. Weaponize and supercharge your LinkedIn feed today with the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Plus, it's awesome. All right, Tidbits Tuesday. Every Tuesday, I share a little something. Yeah, look at Kyle Murphy. The baton works, people. I went from four contacts to 100 in very little time and already have two recruiters in contact with them. Led to an interview. I'm telling you, I'm not doing this to, like, this isn't some long-term ploy. I'm literally trying to supercharge your feed. Take advantage of it. Let's roll, baby. This is what we do. All right, guys, Tidbits Tuesday. Every Tuesday, I share a little something about me to see if we resonate with each other. I wanted to share with you, I'm one of these guys, okay? It, when I can, am I going to be able to show you? I have to use, oh, what the hell? Hold on. I'm one of these guys. All right. I do not use a traditional mouse. I use one of these trackball thumb mouses, and I always use it. Any computer I get, it's the first thing I do. And you can see 
Jerry, why are you using a wired one? They make wireless, and it is 2023. Well, here's the deal. I have so much gear going on that the wireless one was actually getting interference from my computer, so I had to go wired. When you're doing content creation, live streaming, and all these other things, the more wired stuff you have, the better, because it, it reduces the chance of things going sideways and having to troubleshoot on the fly. So anyways, <clears throat> I am a hand-on trackball thumb guy. I've been using this Logitech style for 25 years. I love it. I love it. I love it. So if you're a trackball crew like Johnny Five, much love. That's my tidbits Tuesday. All right. Sean Porter's asking for the baton. So Curtis, if you're looking for someone, yes, Sean knows what's up. All right. Trackball crew. We might have to get a we might have to get a uh, a sub channel going here or a t-shirt. Alibaba continues its cloud shuffle. Reuters sources say Alibaba's Daniel Zhang informed staff he will step down from his role as CEO of the company's cloud unit. Zhang previously served as overall Alibaba CEO since 2015, succeeding co-founder Jack Ma. Alibaba announced restructuring back in May, which saw Zhang shift to take over the company's highly profitable cloud unit. The company plans to spin out its cloud business with an IPO by May 2024. While stepping down from the role, Zhang will establish a technology fund with $1 billion in Alibaba investment. All right. So I actually, when I see this story, um, two things. One, like Alibaba is basically Amazon over uh, on the, um, over in China. Um, the, the original CEO, the guy who made it big, uh, I think his name is Jack Ma, like, now, he got taken out, and I think it was because of uh, political reasons, okay? Not towing the political line, if you will. Daniel Zong got put in place. So two months later, he's quitting. I actually do not think that this is a, um, you know, People's Republic of China government overstep, stepping type thing. This seems more like business, a business thing, okay? So I don't think there's any... There's no real cyber thing here other than if you wanted to look for intrigue and, you know, national espionage and stuff like here. But to me, this sounds like if I had to guess, okay, so tinfoil hat, tinfoil hat, okay, here we go. This is not a cyber story, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. This is the tinfoil hat. Dan, uh, Jack Ma had to go, right? Like, like there's a car waiting outside for you. Get in it now. Okay, bye-bye. They had to put someone in there. This is a wildly, this is a money printing machine. Alibaba just prints money, right? And, you know, China likes money, like they use it. So they put Daniel Zong in. I think he may have been a placeholder CEO anyways, right? Two months is pretty pretty rapid. Um, usually finding an executive takes six months. Obviously, if you prioritize it, you can do it much faster. If I had to guess, he was a placeholder, um, and now it's it's not a surprise move. It's just they weren't they weren't forecasting it. It seems very unstable if you're like rotating your CEOs, like you're changing your socks or something like that. So you don't do that in big business. So um, that's my that's my thoughts on that. I think this is not a to me this isn't a big deal. The only the only thing this further reinforces to me is that uh, Jack Ma was probably um, pushed out the door despite what he was. Uh, publicly reporting and stuff like that so um all right so it looks like sean's picked up the baton let's go sean you got this um so anyways i don't think there's much story here right uh either that or uh, as a as a backup 
lower percentage uh, speculative hot take. Daniel Zong proved to be incompetent at the job, but I seriously doubt you get tapped to become CEO of Alibaba unless you uh, are able to do what you can do. Okay, so not really a cyber story. Anonymous Sudan launches Telegram DDoS. <coughs> the threat group Anonymous Sudan has had a busy summer. In June, it launched disruptive DDoS attacks against Microsoft 365 and Azure. It followed that up with another DDoS against the microblogging service X in August. Now, the threat intelligence firm SockRadar reports it began a DDoS campaign against the messaging service Telegram. The group did not announce any pretext for the attacks, although SockRadar believes it may be related to changes impacting bot accounts on X. Analysts previously noted that Anonymous Sudan does not appear to operate out of that country and seems to show ties to the Russian threat group, Killnet. Yeah, okay. Like, okay. So, <laughs> all right, a couple things. One, I'm still on the fence, okay? Like, the, the jury's still out for me. Anonymous Sudan has been very much in the news the last six months. Um, they're doing a lot of uh, attacks and a lot of distributed denial of services stuff. Killnet is a very Russian forward um, threat actor group that mostly brokers in distributed denial of service attacks. That's kind of their claim to fame. I'm not saying that Anonymous Sudan is a costume or a sock puppet account that Killnet uses in order to have a different uh, persona. If I had to guess, like Killnet's not, like Killnet's very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like, kill, like, it doesn't make any sense. Killnet wouldn't want a discrete secondary identity for doing attacks. They would just attack whoever they want. They, they don't have discretion. They're not, um, they're not trying to do espionage, right? They're, they're like literally like a, a brute enforcer who will like smack you around if they don't like you, right? So it doesn't make sense. Uh, but I could see them being buddy, buddy, you know, fist bumps with anonymous Sudan since they have similar interests and similar adversaries right the enemy of my enemy is my friend i don't know if that's a famous line or it was just in the original dick tracy back when movies were kind of <laughs> silly but anyways long story short enemy of my enemy is my friend so anonymous sudan um killnut would be uh fine anonymous sudan is just basically uh reacting to uh something they didn't like so telegram a major um a major communication platform that lots of people use uh, basically suspended the primary account for Anonymous Sudan. Anonymous Sudan was obviously using this account for coordination. I told you yesterday on stream, don't, don't sleep on communication. If you are going to do anything in a coordinated fashion, if you're going to um, rally the troops, or if you're going to set up C2 for compromised endpoints, to exfil and seek um, commands on Telegram, you need the Telegram account, right? So like, think about it. Like I write a piece of malware. I infect Sean Porter's machine. Now Sean Porter's machine's got my malware on it. And my malware is reaching out to a Telegram channel, which is by the way, a really popular technique uh, recently by threat actors. It's reaching out to a Telegram channel using API um, webhooks to see like if there's a new command or a new, you know, com command, basically it's command and control. So if you shut down the account, it's basically like nerfing an IP address for a more traditional C2 infrastructure, right? But basically by shutting down the primary account, the 
compromised hosts have nowhere to reach out to the you know controller to find out what to do next and anonymous sudan was all pissed about it for good reason right like oh you just like basically kneecapped our entire infrastructure want to point out that you know putting your entire c2 infrastructure on telegram while it's very trendy right now um you do introduce a critical uh point of failure in that you're assuming you always have access to Telegram. So Anonymous Sudan launches a denial of service attacks against Telegram. Uh, believe me, Telegram's not going to respond by reinstating Anonymous Sudan's Telegram account. What I would suspect is going to happen is Anonymous Sudan's going to create like a, you know, three or four or five or you know more Telegram accounts so they can have rollover and business continuity. Again, I don't endorse or support uh, criminals and cyber threat actors and, and their operations, but you do have to think of them like a business, right? And when they're their business, you you know, if they want to secure their business, which is their business of crime, uh, they should be thinking like InfoSec professionals. New phishing attacks hit Facebook Messenger. Guardio Labs researchers published details on a new campaign on Messenger it dubbed Mr. Tony Scam. The threat actors indicate an origin in Vietnam and seeks to get victims to click on an archive attachment. This deploys a dropper that pulls down a Python-based next-stage malware. This operates as part of an account hijack scheme. Once the payload downloads, it steals on-device cookies and then deletes them locally. This allows the attackers to log out legitimate users and seize account control. Mm -hmm. Researchers found that even though it requires click-through, about one out of every 250 potential victims becomes infected in the last 30 days. All right, a couple things here. One... Um... Clever, clever adaptation by threat actors. Okay, so if if you didn't hear what this is, basically it, it's garden variety. They send you an instant message over Facebook Messenger. Uh, people, you know, it's like, oh, hey, check this out. Like, you know, I got nudes here or check out like this get rich quick scheme or your account's been compromised. Click here to fix it. Like whatever it is, it's classic text message fish phishing or smishing. Okay, so first of all, you got to catch somebody who's not paying attention. Then they download some type of archive or whatever, and it, you know, they run um, a batch file. Now, this is going to have to happen. I suspect if this happened on an iPhone or an, maybe an Android phone, I don't know about Android and Python interpreters, but if this ran on uh iphone like i don't believe it would compromise you this has to run on a windows box okay okay so you can see here persistency in windows start right like so this is right away if you're running linux or mac or iphone potentially android likely android you're not even in scope so this is windows only second of all you got to fall for some stuff and click through um, third, they do drop a Python environment. So you don't have to work. I mean, you would be screwed even if you didn't have Python on your computer. And then, uh, at this point you're, you're totally hosed, right? At this point, if you get to this part in the workflow, you're screwed. And I, I actually, even though I hate threat actors, I like to do a little hat tip here really quickly. Um, it's clever. They scan and steal all your session cookies for all your, uh, browser sessions. And then they delete your cookies, which automatically will log you out because you don't have um, an authentication token anymore, which will screw you because now you'll have to log back in, which you can do. But if the victim is quicker to log in, they can change your password and then you're, you're hosed. So off you go. So be mindful of this. Also, really quick, Vietnam's coming on strong as a new threat actor. 
Uh, educate your end users about pi uh, Facebook Messenger and don't fall for hacks. Wise webcams showed other owners' feeds. Late last week, some owners of Wise security cameras reported seeing unrelated camera feeds from other users. This included access to raw camera feeds as well as all recorded events. This apparently only occurred with Wise's web viewer, not its app. Wise informed its subreddit that it took the page down for maintenance. It later told The Verge that the issue came from a web caching issue and persisted for roughly 30 minutes. Wise maintains a checkered past with unauthorized camera access. Last year, the security research firm Bitdefender reported Wise knew about a vulnerability in its V1 cameras for three years that could allow for unauthorized access, but opted to discontinue the models rather than fix it. Yeah. Cybersecurity. Yeah, so Wise has been known. These cameras, I have one. I use it more for like security research, IoT, trying to crack the firmware. If you're running one of these, be mindful that um, they do have a checkered pass. Like Wise is really cool, but it's like one of those ones like uh, like third tier IoT devices, like you know, like a QNAP NAS or a Zixel NAS, where they didn't really bake in or develop a lot of controls, but it makes it good for security research. If you're running a Wise security cam. Be careful. Um, just know that, you know, basically it's weak security control. So if you have it in somewhere sensitive, like in your in your kid's room or something, that's wicked bad. If you got it anywhere inside your house, that's pretty bad. Um, if you have it in your business, maybe you uh, be mindful of what it's looking at and what threat actors could use. So I'll just leave that. I, I've got to get going, y'all. Um, so I'm not going to um, go too deep in the story, but just this is it's been a while since we talked about cracking into IoT devices. That was all the rage in like 2016, 2017. But if you're interested, it is a fun project. There's a uh, executable called Binwalk, B I N W A L K, Binwalk, that is definitely worth looking at. You could pull down a firmware from an IoT device, use Binwalk to walk the file system, extract stuff, look at it, pull out keys and stuff like that. It's a fun little project. Um, I did a talk in. At B-Sides Charleston years ago, if you look for it on uh, reversing uh, a Zixel um, NAS, I thought it was pretty cool, but uh, it walks through uh, the process I'm talking about. Fun little side project if you're bored on the weekend and wanting to do some silly, um, some silly hacking stuff. All right, guys. I want to thank you all. Thank you all for being here. Uh, genuinely appreciate it, as always. Uh, no, no. Uh, Nothing going on today on Tuesday. I got to go teach in a minute, and then it's work, work, work. Uh, I am straight crushing the Cyber 101 course. I'm four or five modules deep. There's 15 modules, so just as an update to the community, definitely come back tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time for the next Daily Cyber Threat Briefing podcast. If it was your first time here, I definitely hope that you uh, enjoyed your experience, and you know, congratulations to Sean. I look forward to your Simply Cyber community. Uh, normally, we would switch to jawjacking right now, but for those who don't know, I do teach at the Citadel Military College every Tuesday and Thursday at 9.30 Eastern Time. And it's the one job, I have like seven jobs, but it's the one job I have left that I have to commute to. And, ugh, dude, every time I drive, I'm like, I, I, I appreciate going, and the campus is beautiful, and the students are interesting, but every time I'm driving and work commute, I'm like, ugh. So, anyways... Be good, everybody. Thanks all so very much for all you do. Be well. And until the next time, stay secure. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Bye, everybody.
everybody. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.